tonight. Praise God. Amen. And we're going to have Brother Jared Hilton come. And uh, without any further ado, we are going to let him come and just bring the word of the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. I want, I want him to preach to me tonight. I came hungry for God to do something in my life. Amen, 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 amen. Anybody else feel that way tonight? Oh, praise God. Brother Hilton, come. Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand together? And as we stand, why don't we lift our voices to the Lord? Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Why don't we lift our voices? Come on, with one mind and one accord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Master. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm so happy to be with you, faithful people of God. Feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. It's it's such a wonderful thing, Pastor, when I'm down there and I'm um, late for church. That's not the wonderful thing. But what I'm getting ready to say is the wonderful thing. Is when I'm down there, Sister Reagan, and I'm late, and I uh, should be up here praying. I can hear the wonderful saints of God lifting their voices in unity. Hallelujah. It's, tonight, I, I was down there. I was thinking, I was like, man, it's been a long time since I've heard it like that. And I just, I, I, listen, church, we're on, we're on something's trail now, and the devil's mad at us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, um... And those, those thoughts, those doubts, those worries, those concerns. Um, what was the phrase, Pastor? I'm sorry. I wrote it down. I didn't, the phrase yesterday, we know what's going on. Is it something like that? You know what's going on. I mean, can I just say that tonight? You know what's going on. I mean, those thoughts, those concerns, those doubts, those fears, those worries. Come on, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. Hallelujah. Amen. There's something tangible. There's something real in this house tonight. Hallelujah. There's something that could happen in these next few moments before we leave this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's up to you tonight. It's up to me, Brother Jerome. Amen. If I'm going to get what I need from God, amen, I've got to make up my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil isn't going to take this from me. This is mine. Hallelujah. I said it's mine. Hallelujah. The devil can't take what he didn't give to us. Amen. God gave me the Holy Ghost. The devil can't take that away. Man, I feel like, I don't, I don't have any of this in my notes here tonight, but, amen, I want to tell some of you young people, amen, that you made progress in the last few weeks. Uh, amen, the devil wants to take that away from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil wants to take that away, to take those uh, promises, those commitments that you made, uh, amen, maybe after the turn of the year in these white altars, uh, amen, over the last few services, uh, amen, don't you dare, amen, let the devil take that from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, amen, but Brother Jaheem, don't let the devil take it from you. I don't know what commitments you made to God. Amen. But I saw you here in this altar just a few services ago committing yourself in response to Brother Goff's message. I'm telling you, don't let the devil take that away from you. Brother Andrew, I saw you right beside him. Amen. Making commitments to God. Don't let the devil take that away from you. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's love the Lord for a moment. Come on, that's it. Let's fill out to the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can we reach out a little further? Come on, get a hold of something. Get a hold of it tonight. Hallelujah, get a hold of it right now. Jesus, I need you. Come on, I'm not waiting on anybody else. I'm going to reach out for myself. I'm going to reach out for my, come on, that's it. Come on, somebody, somebody get a hold of it right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, keep on pressing. Keep on reaching in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, we need you. I'm not leaving tonight, God, without what I need. Come on, God, I need a touch. I need an anointing. God, I need you to destroy every yoke, every fetter, every chain, every every form of bondage that the enemy has, every lie, every doubt, every question, every fear. Come on, that's a lie from the enemy. I said that's a lie from the enemy. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 says, While Peter yet spoke, spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak, amen, with other tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we I said which have received the Holy Ghost hallelujah 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 I want to tell somebody this is what it feels like amen that when the Holy Ghost amen comes down hallelujah this is what it feels like when the Holy Ghost comes down Hallelujah. And all of them which heard the word, all of them, Pastor, amen, that listened, amen, to what Apostle Peter had to say, the instruction that was given, amen. I, I, I've had it this way all my life. I, I've had this plan all my life, amen. This doesn't necessarily align with what I had in mind in terms of salvation, amen. But they heard the word from Apostle Peter. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, it wasn't long, Sister Haley. Amen. When they heard the word, when somebody placed a little faith, amen, with what they were hearing, amen, that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. Now, I wonder if there was some there that day, amen, that didn't hear the word. The Bible doesn't say that it fell on the ones that didn't hear the word. And I don't know if there was any there. All right? But, but there were some there that day that heard the word. There was some there that day, amen, that heard the word. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to hear the word. I want the Holy Ghost to have his way. Hallelujah. Let's magnify the Lord for a moment. Let's ask for him to speak to us. Jesus, we need you. Oh, 
I believe there's somebody in this place that's hungry to hear the word. Hallelujah. Come on, if that's you, why don't you ask him to speak to you? Jesus, give me an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, let's open to Hebrews chapter 10. I believe the Lord is present in this house tonight. Amen. I'm so thankful for his mercies, grace, his truth. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity Amen. to minister here tonight. Amen. I give him honor. Appreciate the per- pa- passion and the burden and the vision that he has set for this year. Amen. How many are excited amen, for what God's going to do in the next few weeks? The next few months, the next few, that before the end of this year, I believe we can have revival. Hallelujah. I said I believe we're, we can have revival. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, there's something to this service. Somebody ought to just plug in. Just plug in, Brother Jaheem. Help me out a little bit, can you? Can you help me out tonight? I hear you over there helping me out. I'm just excited about what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We have boldness tonight, church. Only because of the blood of Jesus that we can enter into the holiest of holy places. Amen. Verse 20 goes on by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Everybody say his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for uh, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Amen. To good works. We heard about that here tonight. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Amen. Let's provoke one another. Amen. Unto love and to good works. To continue to doing what God has called us to do. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we lay down our Bibles and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this That's it, church. Let's just take a few more moments to magnify the Lord. It'd be all right with me if we just stopped right here and, amen, had a service where whatever need, whatever situation, amen, was resolved. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight as long as you promise to help me. I mean, almost 100% participation. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This is a message I have preached before. Amen. And one that I just couldn't get away from. And I honestly, I told Brother God before, I didn't tell him explicitly that, that um, this would happen. I kind of hedged a little bit. But I, was, I told him before service, and I, I was, in, in some other words, I said something to the effect that I wouldn't be surprised if we just had a blowout tonight. Amen. I wouldn't be surprised if God just moved into this service. Amen. You had the chance. So guess what? Now you got to deal with me. And uh, you can uh, blame yourself for that. No, I'm kidding. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about this subject, Beyond the Veil. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to get beyond the veil. I'm going to get beyond whatever's blocking me, whatever's restraining me from seeing the presence of God. Amen. Being in the presence of God. And, and let me also say this, that if you at any point during this service amen, feel like responding to the Holy Ghost, do not let me stop you. Amen. That's exactly what I'm preaching about tonight. Amen. I, my goal, my desire, amen, tonight is to, to talk to you and to give you, amen, biblical reason, amen, biblical backing, amen, for responding, amen, in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You have the right. Amen. If you have the Holy Ghost, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've been buried with Christ, uh, He's the one, amen, that sacrificed His blood for you and gave you that opportunity to access His presence. Hallelujah. Amen. We're sanctified by Jesus. Amen. He was the sacrifice for us. Amen. The Holy Ghost will testify as a witness to us that we are sanctified. Hallelujah. That's what we feel in this house tonight. That's why we feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not talking to uh, newbies, for lack of a better term. Amen. I am talking to seasoned, amen, uh, folks that have been in the church for an extended period of time. And uh, I had a, had a slant pastor in this where I could target sinners. So I don't want you to think I didn't come prepared to preach to sinners. Amen. I was ready. But again... You got yourselves to blame, and myself. I'll blame myself for that, too. And uh, so I've got to reach somebody in this place tonight, and I feel like the Lord's given me some direction. Amen. But in the Old Testament, when the tabernacle was being constructed, God had given Moses very explicit direction and guidelines. And I want to provide you all with an idea of what the tabernacle may have looked like and based on my understanding and reading of the scriptures. And many of us today may already know, but there are some perhaps in this place tonight who don't have a full understanding. And I'm going to try to help us just briefly. And it's important that we understand this pattern amen, for where we're going tonight. So if you bear with me just for a few moments, amen, we'll try to, uh, try to make this as fast as possible. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Amen. Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 through 9 says, Let them make me a sanctuary, amen, that I may dwell among them. I want a place that I can deal with my people, where I can meet with my people. He's looking for a place that he could dwell with us. Amen. And so verse 9, he says, According to all that I show thee, talking to Moses, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. God had a, a pattern, a very specific pattern. We heard just a few weeks ago how important symbols are to God. And that um, any, uh, any deviation from those symbols would, um, would produce uh, your dangerous situations. God took seriously this pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the furniture and instruments that were on the inside of the tabernacle. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 tells us why. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. Talking about the Old Testament. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Man, so he said, I gave you this pattern so it would be an example of heavenly things. Hallelujah. Amen. And so let's go through a few of those things that he told him. Amen. In Exodus chapter 40, amen, we read a summary after Moses had brought together all the materials and components of the tabernacle. Chapter 40 is when they start assembling the tabernacle. And verse 8, the Bible tells us, so I'm using that as a form to get a brief summary of what the tabernacle consisted of. But Exodus chapter 40 verse 8 says, And thou shalt set up the court around about, and hang up the hanging at the court gate. Uh, the court was a fence-like curtain uh, made of fine twined linen that surrounded the tabernacle. The court, was five, the court fencing was five cubits high, 
and the court itself was 100 cubits by 50 cubits and had a brass pillar every five cubits. The outer court had one 30-foot wide gate that you could use to enter. Exodus 27, 16 tells us about that gate. And as soon as you enter into, through this broad gate, we're talking about a 50-cubit uh, wide court, and in the middle of that you see a 30-foot wide um, gate. As you enter through that, the very first thing that you are encountered with is the altar. Exodus chapter 40, verse 6 says, And thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. And uh, this altar served a significant purpose, and I'm not going to take the time right now to deal with it, but we will deal with it in just a moment. Amen. And then the next thing, as you step past the altar, you, you, come, you come up to the brazen laver. And uh, that is found in verse 7 of the same chapter. Thou shalt set the laver. And I'm not sure if I gave you that scripture. I'm sorry, sister. But uh, if you had your Bible open to Exodus chapter 40, you'd see it there. But it's verse 7. And, um, and thou shalt set the laver between the tent of the congregation and the altar. So as you enter through the gate, you first have the altar. Right after that is the brazen laver. And then you have the tent, the tabernacle. And then as you pass by, as I just described, the brazen laver, you come to the tabernacle. And they refer to this as a holy place. And Exodus chapter 40, verses 4 through 5 says, And thou shalt bring in the table and set it in order, the things that are set in order upon it, and set in order the things that are set, that are to be set in order upon it. And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and light the lamps thereof. And thou shalt set the altar of gold for, incense, for the incense before the ark of the testimony. And put the hanging of the door to the tabernacle. So the last thing they did is they put that hanging up to separate the holy place from the rest of the court. But inside it you find the, t- the table of showbread, the golden candlesticks, and the golden altar of incense. And... Um, the very last thing that you would find in the tabernacle, in the tent, that's, that is a part of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, is the holiest of holies. That, that was a place that was nested inside of the tent and was, was contained the um, Ark of the Testimony. And inside the Ark of the Testimony was some items that reminded the children of Israel of what God had done. So it was an ark containing the testimony of God and also contained the mercy seat on top of the ark. And But but there was something that, as you proceed through this, this physical pattern that I just described for you, you go through the gate, you reach the altar, go past the altar to the brazen laver, and then into the holy place, as you get, you're, you're getting closer and closer to this holiest of holies, this place that was in the very, very back, the centermost portion of the tabernacle. And this place was hidden behind a veil. That veil um, was, uh, was beautiful. It was, it was a veil that had blue and scarlet and and uh, purple and uh, fine linen, and they had cherubims, little angels uh, embroidered on this veil. It was a beautiful work of art. The Bible calls it cunning. It was cunning uh, work that was done on this veil. It, was, it wasn't just something that was thrown together, but it was beautiful. There's somebody who spent some time constructing this veil. Amen. And the purpose for it was to protect, amen, the mercy seat. And the Ark of the Testimony. And to, to place, the, to, to cover, the Bible says to cover, uh, uh, verse 3, uh, Exodus chapter 40 says, Thou shalt put therein the Ark of the Testimony and cover the Ark with the veil. So this was used to cover the Ark, cover that mercy seat. Amen. And, and so no wonder they spent so much time and so much um, skill 
to put this together. Amen. But even the veil had a certain pattern, amen, that God had given to Moses. In Exodus 25, God begins to describe that pattern uh, to Moses for the first time. And he said, um, I, I want you to have I want you to make a place and for me and this where that will hold the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat. And he said, That's where I'm going to meet with you. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, he says, There I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. This was a wonderful place. Amen. It was a place that contained the very presence of God. God told Moses, this is where I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going, I will meet you there. Moses, if you're ever lost, you're ever wandering in the wilderness, you don't have direction, you could come to the holiest of holies and I'll meet you there. And I'll give you commandments and direction for the children of Israel. I mean, that's what was beyond the veil. That's what was beyond that place. Amen. And it uh, wasn't just in the tabernacle, but they repeated this pattern, as many of you already know. Amen. In the temple. Amen. Even though the temple had received many improvements in terms of structure and stability, amen, and it became the central focus and the pride of Israel, amen, this, 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 this temple still served the very same purpose, they didn't get distracted with all the gold and all the wood from, from, um, from Lebanon, but they, they did, they've given the very best that they had, amen, but in the center of the temple was this holiest of holy places, Amen. Exodus chapter 26, verses 30 through 34. And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof that was showed thee in the mount. I apologize. That's not the scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And the most holy house, he made two cherubims of image work and overlaid them with gold. And the wings of the cherubims were 20 cubits long. One wing of one cherub was five cubits reached reaching to the wall of the house. The other wing was likewise five cubits, reaching to the wing of the other cherub. And one wing of the other cherub was five cubits, reaching to the wall of the house. And the other wing was five cubits, also joining to the wing of the other cherub. The wings of these cherubims spread themselves forth 20 cubits, and they stood on their feet, and their faces were inward. And just so you know, before you leave tonight, you'll be caught up on your Bible reading if you've fallen behind. 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. He said, and he made the veil of blue and of purple and crimson and fine linen. Amen. And wrought cherubims thereon. There were a lot of things that changed when the temple was built. But there's one thing that didn't change, and that was the veil. The veil had the same pattern, had the same design, same color, same materials, and still covered the Ark of the Testimony, and still covered that mercy seat, still contained the presence of God. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you tonight, amen, that, that it was the whole purpose for this whole construction, this whole building, the tabernacle or the temple, amen, the whole purpose for this was so that the people of God would have their sins atoned for that God would carry on a relationship. In order for God to have a relationship with these people, he had to somehow remit those sins. He had to somehow remove those, those things that caused barriers between him and them. And so he created this process, this pattern, so that way he had men who he had chosen, very men that, who had been instructed and directed, this is how you can... Meet with me. This is how I plan to meet with you. If you want to please me, if you want to have a relationship with me, here is the way we're going to do this. And, Pastor, it's amazing to me how much glory fell down outside of the veil. 
the people of God, if they obeyed the commandments of God, they brought their sacrifices on a regular basis or, or they, they made it their way to the tabernacle as they should have. I, I believe the glory of God met, there, met them there. And the reason I say that is when they pulled up the tent and when they, they finalized and finished the temple, the glory of God fell outside of the veil. And so there was benefits for these folks as they came to the house of God, as they made their sacrifices. No doubt they felt the glory of God again. When they made their way to that altar and offered it, amen, to Aaron and his sons, and they sacrificed that spotless lamb or they sacrificed that bullock or whatever it was that they were bringing to the tabernacle so that they could get their direction from God so that they can maintain their relationship with God no doubt the glory of God would meet them again hallelujah and they didn't necessarily have to go beyond the veil they just had to obey they just had to make their way to the tabernacle and do what God and Moses, God had commanded them through Moses, actually. And so, um, as you can see, Exodus chapter 40, verse 33 through 35, I'll just read this for you so you can see biblical backing for what I just said. He reared up the court around the tabernacle, round the, about the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. He obeyed God's pattern and plan, finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Hallelujah. Just because... Of their obedience. Because they obeyed God's pattern. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verses 1 through 3. Now when Solomon, this is talking about the temple, had made an end of praying. Dedicating the temple to the Lord. The Bible says the fire came down from heaven. Consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord, and they saw, the Bible says, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, these people, amen, saw what, it, what, what God would do if they would obey him. Amen. They saw, amen, what God could do. Amen. The fire, amen, as it consumed the sacrifices of Solomon and the people of Israel. Amen. I don't know, but maybe somebody in that crowd that day, amen, couldn't stop weeping because of the glory of God that fell. Amen. I don't know. Amen. But they had been working, Pastor. Amen. They, they knew what the tabernacle did for them. They knew how it moved their sins one year forward again and again. And how merciful, amen, the, our God and how faithful our God truly was. And so they came to that temple dedication service with their own sacrifices and said, God, I just want you to accept this. And I don't know, but I believe that there was some kind of anticipation I mean, for what God would do that day and I'm telling you that God did not disappoint them hallelujah hallelujah but he consumed their sacrifices and their offering just like he said he would hallelujah hallelujah but I want to tell you that all this glory and wonder and power fire Glory of God occurred outside of the veil. This happened on the, out, on, on the other side of the curtain. The other side that was covering the ark. Amen. So what was the purpose? If we could have such a 
powerful relationship with God, what was the purpose for the veil and its contents? Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2 tells us, Lord said, I believe I was, see this is what happens when you skip around. Let me try Leviticus chapter 16, verse 20. Thank you, Sister God, for being so flexible. I do want you to see this. Thank you. When he hath made an end of of reconciling the holy place, so this is not the holiest of holies, but this is the the section that contained the table of showbread, the menorah, and the, and the, uh, the golden altar for incense, the outer holy place. And then he also didn't stop there, but he went from the um, reconciling the holy place to reconciling the tabernacle, the tent itself. And then he didn't stop there, but he went beyond that and went and uh, reconciled the altar and, he, and that he should bring the live goat and, and continue those sacrifices year after year. This process, and, and I skipped way ahead, so let me back up just a little bit. But God told um, everything that you're doing, all these things, the glory of God that, that fell and responded to the obedience of the children of Israel, all that could happen outside of the veil, and all those offerings could be made outside of the veil. I mean, they could, they could continue to go about their day-to-day business they could still receive the glory of God. They could still go through those ceremonies that were described by uh, Moses. And they could still make their sacrifices. But all this would happen outside of the veil. Amen. You could even, as a priest, go into the holy place and offer up special incense to God. And he would receive that. And I'm sure there was glory associated with that. Amen. But what, what was the other side of the veil for? Why was it there? Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2 now. The Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place. Talking, uh, he says, within the veil. So he's not just talking about the place that's outside of it, but he's talking about specifically that holy place within the veil, before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark. That he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. When the children of Israel outside of the tabernacle or outside of the temple saw that cloud descend upon the tabernacle, it wasn't just going any place. It wasn't just hovering over the tabernacle, but it was going down on the inside of the tabernacle or going inside of the temple and hovering at the very heart of the tabernacle or temple. That cloud would sit on the mercy seat. It would sit on the Ark of the Testimony. And that's why I believe that the, the priest couldn't go in and minister because they were getting too close. Amen. Even the veil could not contain the glory that was hidden behind it. Amen. During those special moments of dedication. And so, uh, first of all, we want to understand that this holy place is not just the general holy place, but it's specifically talking about the holy place uh, where the, the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony and, and the mercy seat was. And secondly, we need to understand that going behind the veil was not something that someone could do just any time they wanted. Or even, um, even when they went behind that, it was a very serious situation. They could only do it one time a year. They, they had very specific rules, just like the rest of the tabernacle. There was, and, and I know we all know that. Just bear with me for a moment here tonight. That, that, uh, that going behind that veil, it contained some very important things. I, I, I almost wonder if it was like when, when Moses asked God, let me see your glory. And God said, I, I can't show you my glory. I can't, you can't see me, but, but I will cover your face and you can see the hinder parts. You can see what I've done. You can see the things that I've accomplished. And I believe that's what, that's, that's kind of a, there's a comparison here to be made that when the high priests went into that place, I mean, they were witnessing for themselves the glory of God. I mean, the very thing that would atone the sins 
of Israel. The one that would forgive, amen, and wash away, that had the power, amen, to move it forward. But even, Pastor, even what was in that veil was a limited form of what God had to offer. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you going to ride with me just for a little bit more? Hallelujah. Even what was held there that, that could cause this man to be slain, amen, if he didn't approach it the right way. Amen, if he didn't obey explicitly what God had told him to do, amen, that he would, uh, that, and, and let's just read what that is. Le- Leviticus chapter 6 verse 3 says, Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock, this is Leviticus 16 and 3, with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. The Bible continues to explain how Aaron needs to get two goats for a sin offering for the congregation, one for God and the other for a scapegoat, a ram for a burnt offering and a bullock for a sin offering for himself. He had to qualify himself before he could do anything for anybody else. He offers the bullock, grabs some coals off the altar and a handful of incense and burns the incense inside the veil. Then he sprinkles the blood of the bullock and on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And then he kills, he goes back out and he kills. Now this sounds like a, a complicated process. But then he goes back out and then he kills the sin offering. And sprinkles the blood upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. The Bible says that this, the purpose for this was to atone the holy place. To atone the tabernacle, the congregation. And then also to atone and reconcile the altar. We just read that in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 20. And I'm not going to take the time to read that again. But when Aaron did go beyond the veil, it was for the purpose of reconciliation. Reconciling those holy places, those instruments that God wanted him to use. Amen. For another year. Amen. To move these. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. That this, it wasn't just... He wasn't just going through another ceremony. He wasn't just, he wasn't just going through uh, the, 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 these boring things. But this was something that happened once a year so that the children of Israel had this place. So they could maintain their relationship with God. So that God could continue to deal with them and give them direction. This would happen every year on the 12th, on the 10th day of the 7th month. Each year the sacrifice, so that each year the sacrifices and offerings would be effective. If the high priest never reconciled the holy place or the tabernacle or the altar, those pieces of furniture would be rendered useless. Just wood and, yeah, furniture. It's just, just pieces of material. But because he obeyed God, God honored this as a symbol and all the sacrifices of the children of Israel would be in vain. They'd be useless. They'd just be going through the motions. It wouldn't even serve any kind of purpose. This is why the high priest went beyond the veil. This is, and um, Israelites went through this kind of process for a long time. This is, this is something that they got used to. Second Chronicles chapter 6 verse 1 through 2 says, Then said Solomon, The Lord has said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. But I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. Solomon fully expected for God to dwell in this location forever. Forever. But just because the Jews thought that's what God's plan was, God had a different plan. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 4. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things didn't have an explicit depiction of what God was going to do but it was a pattern. It was an image of things to come, a shadow of things to come. Not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually making the comers they're unto perfect. They were doing what God asked them to do. God wouldn't have said that they were perfect if, if they weren't successfully doing that. 
Verse 2 goes on to say, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Wouldn't they have stopped after they had become perfect? Wouldn't there come a time where they no longer had to make an offering for sins? If, they, if this was the eternal plan. Because that the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience, have had no more conscience for sins, of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Not possible. They'd have to be reminded, Sister Desiree, every year when they made their way back to the tabernacle or when Aaron made his way into the holiest of holies. I don't know. It might have become somewhat of a drudgery. They continued to do it because the Bible says that it did, that, that, that they were honoring it. But, but I'm telling you that, that they had, they had to just continue this process over and over and over because it wouldn't forgive their sins. It wouldn't take away the sins. And I am thankful for the blessings of God when all the right pieces are in the right places. That the anointing of God just flows. And it's a good time in the Holy Ghost. Amen. But I want to ask tonight, amen, what does it produce? Can we ever become perfect? Hallelujah. Because if we could, if we could complete, then there would be a time when we would not need to make sacrifices. We would not need to make, offer these rams and bullocks and shed all this blood. Would there ever be a time, Pastor? Hallelujah. I don't know about you. Amen. But I know the Jews were content. They were content with this process. But God was not content. God wasn't. God, he's the one that designed it. He's the one that put this together. Amen. But he wanted one day, amen, to take that glory that was restricted behind the veil and let us have it. Amen. And no longer let it just sit, amen, on a wooden box, amen, covered in gold, amen, and sit, amen, underneath, amen, the wings of these cherubims designed by the hands of man, amen. But what he wanted to put his spirit and the glory of God was not in the heart of the tabernacle, but in the heart of his people. Amen. He wanted, he wanted to get beyond the veil. He wanted to get outside, amen, of this place, amen, that was restricting him. Amen. He wanted to get beyond, amen, the blood of rams and bullocks. Amen. He wanted to get beyond, amen, the ceremonies, amen, and the ritual. Hallelujah. And he wanted a people, amen, who were also willing to go beyond the veil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, amen, that the beautiful work and tapestry, amen, the the cunning work of that child of God of blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, amen, cunningly crafted, amen, by the anointed person of God, whoever it was, amen, was not enough for God. It wasn't enough. I mean, he wanted to tear that veil in two. He wasn't satisfied, amen, with tents and rags. He wasn't even satisfied with the very best that we had to offer. He wasn't satisfied with silver and brass and gold. Amen. He wasn't satisfied with the, with the timber and wood from Lebanon. Amen. What he wanted was fleshly heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Not stone. Amen. Not paper. Amen. But he wanted fleshly hearts. Hallelujah. I'm talking. Amen. What the tabernacle and the temple represented. Amen. It was an old way. Amen. Of doing things. Amen. But in our text. Amen. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 20 that there was a new and living way. Hallelujah, which he, Jesus Christ, had consecrated for us. Hallelujah, he's the one that made us worthy. He's the one 
one that shed his blood for you and me. He's the one that became the sacrifice. Come on, let's thank him for tonight. Let's thank him tonight. I said, by a new and a living way, and he has consecrated for us through the veil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, sister Bonnie. He caught, can you put that verse, verse 20 of Hebrews 10 on the wall? By a new and living way, for which, by which, which he had consecrated for us through the veil. Not behind it. I mean, not restricted by this veil. Hallelujah. But through it. And the Bible makes a direct mapping of what that veil represented. We know that the Old Testament is a shadow and type of the New Testament, of what God had planned for the New Testament. And the writer of Hebrews, I mean, declares for us exactly what that veil represented. That is to say, his flesh. Jesus, our premier example of what a Christian ought to be, came through the veil. Hallelujah. Not, that is to say his flesh. Hallelujah. 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 Let's fill out to the Holy Ghost just for a moment. I don't want Oh, hallelujah, 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 oh, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, you know that we just described that what was the veil served, it, it, it covered the Ark of the Testimony, the mercy seat. And, and the reason that the high priest had to go behind the veil I mean, was for the reconciliation of those uh, pieces of furniture and the tabernacle itself. Amen. But, the, but Jesus, when he came through the veil as our high priest, amen, he didn't just reconcile a few objects. Amen. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, he tells us, it tells us that to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. He's the one, amen, that went through the veil, amen, with a distinct purpose of reconciling you and me. No longer do we need, amen, an altar, amen, to make an offering and sacrifice on. No longer do we need to come to a tent or a temple, amen, that contains uh, these particular furnitures, amen, where a holy priest, uh, amen, who's living right and doing what God had called him to do, uh, amen, and obeying these certain ceremonies and rituals, uh, amen. No longer do we need uh, all of that. We have been reconciled ourselves. Not the altar, Brother Josh, but I have been reconciled by his blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me thankful. Amen. It makes me, amen, thankful that this perfect lamb, hallelujah, so spotless, amen, so beautiful, amen, whose coat, amen, was as white as snow, amen, was slain for the reconciliation of you and me. God demonstrated that he was once and for all tearing down the veil that separated us from the place where he dwelt. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Don't believe me. Amen. The author of Matthew tells us in 27 verses 50 through 51, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Amen. Jesus, through his flesh, came through that veil. Come on, don't you dare let the devil lie to you and tell you you don't have hope. Don't you dare let the devil lie to you and tell you you don't stand a chance. Amen. You've been reconciled. Hallelujah. 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 You don't have to. Amen. Make your way to an altar in Jerusalem. You don't have to make your way to the priest and bring a particular form of livestock to them so that they can make the offering for you. All you've got to do is make your way to one of these white altars. Amen. And find a place of repentance. Amen. And offer yourself as the sacrifice. Jesus, our perfect example. Amen. Demonstrated for us. Amen. That he was sacrificed enough. Amen. That we, that all he wants is for you and me to offer ourselves. Hallelujah. As a sacrifice. God, do with me what you will. You came to this earth and gave your life for me. Amen. The least I can do. I wonder if we could just talk to the Lord for a moment. I wonder if we could reach out to Him tonight. Come on. All it requires is obedience to the Word of God. All it requires is a hearing of the Word of God. All it requires is for you, amen, to respond to the Word of God. Hallelujah. This isn't how, amen, I envision this message going tonight. Amen. But I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. Honestly, I felt like we would have a, a shout down. Amen. I felt like there would be some kind of, of breakthrough. But I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost if you'll let me. I wonder if you would help me tonight. I wonder if we could reach out to the Holy Ghost and let him have his way. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's anybody in this house, amen, who has the same prayer that Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying to the Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will. Not my will. Not my will. But thy will be done if we could all stand here tonight. Amen, I've got a a few pages of notes, but I feel the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, making an appeal right now. I wonder, amen, if a child of God, uh, amen, who's full of the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, but needs an opportunity, amen, to find a place and say, God, Hallelujah. I'm not content with remaining, amen, in the glory. I'm not content with just remaining, amen, in the altar area. But I want to go through the veil. I want to go beyond the veil. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. He's on the 
Hallelujah. I'm thankful, amen, for the glory of God. I'm thankful, amen, for the good times in worship. I'm grateful, amen, for the blood of Jesus and the blessings, amen, that he bestows upon us. Amen. But I want to get face to face. I want to be face to face. Not my will, God. Come on, that's it, church. Let's just respond to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Come on, that altar represented death. Amen. In the tabernacle. Amen. When the children of Israel came, amen, they were willing to make their best offering. They were willing to offer their best sacrifice and say, God, I'm laying it down on this altar. I'm giving it to the priest for him to kill. Amen. For him to spill its blood on my behalf. Amen. We don't have to do that anymore. Amen. But what we do have to do is make our way to an altar and say, God, I'm going to offer myself. Come on, your very best. Come on, your very best.